This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Tuesday, April 5th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Chicago kicks off meetings about proposed casino locations today. We'll have the details in our next segment, but right now, a Federal Reserve governor says quick, aggressive action is needed to drive down inflation. We're joined by David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, and author of the book Understanding Central Banking, and he will help us understand central banking. David, thanks for joining us today. There has been a lot of discussion about the Fed engineering a soft landing after this series of interest rate hikes, starting with the one that was announced last month. What is a soft landing as far as the Fed is concerned? Well, it's actually slowing the economy down to about the pace that we figure uh, is the economy's potential for growth. Uh, That's around 2%, way down from what we saw, for example, in the recovery from the pandemic's growth last year. But I think the important point today is that we got a big-time warning signal from a Fed governor who's usually fairly dovish, fairly low on interest rates. Uh, She said we're going to shrink that huge $9 trillion Fed balance sheet, which is really what's been supplying all the liquidity to the economy much faster than anybody thinks, and it's going to start in May. And she also mentioned we're probably going to hike rates at every meeting, every policy meeting for the rest of the year. Uh, Those are warning signals to a stock market that kept believing that the Fed at some point would uh, have the stock markets back. I don't think the Fed has the stock markets back anymore. Well, when it comes to uh, tapering off this $9 trillion balance sheet, what does that process look like as far as the economy writ large? I mean, you could talk about the liquidity in the economy, but if you're someone who, you know, your definition of the economy is the stock market on a given day and your ability to pay off your mortgage and possibly uh, get a good interest rate on a car loan, uh, what does that tapering look like? Well, what's interesting about that, the balance sheet tapering, is that the Fed really doesn't know for sure. I saw one estimate, for example, that for every $50 billion decline in that $9 trillion balance sheet, we could have the equivalent of a half a percentage point in interest rates. If you add that to the Fed likelihood that it's going to raise interest rates at least by a quarter of a percentage point in all the rest of the six meetings in the rest of the year, we could end up with much higher interest rates at the end of this year than anybody imagined. And I would just add one more warning signal. Back in late March, the Fed chairman said that if this inflation does not start to come down, 
if it becomes embedded in people's thinking, uh, we could have a recession. That's the very first time that the Fed chairman has hinted that instead of a soft landing, he may be willing to take a recession in order to bring inflation down. That was a major warning signal back in late March. Well, thanks for the insight this afternoon. David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Coming up, some discontent being heard about a possible location for a new Chicago casino. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Opposition is starting to build as the city begins hearings on the three finalists to operate Chicago's casino. We welcome in Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. At least one Chicago alderman would like to 86 the casino proposal near the 78 on the near south side. Yeah, the, uh, the the NIMBY folks are starting to come out in big time. Uh, uh, there are uh, uh, medium to very, very loud objections to all the sites that uh, that uh, are on the city's finalist list. Uh, the hearings start this evening, uh, and uh, I would expect that they're going to see a lot of people show up and say, ah, not my neighborhood, I want that casino. Too Alderman, much crowd. Too Alderman, much Alderman Byron, Byron St. Joe Lopez, 25th Ward, uh, he represents the Pilsen neighborhood, which is not too far away from this location uh, for the proposed casino along the 78, uh, which is used to be, uh, a long time ago, was the coach yard for the long-shuttered Grand Central Station, uh, but has basically been abandoned since 1969, uh, now finally uh, getting some usage. He's not too far away from there, and some of those his objections are valid. Uh, you do wonder about the uh, road infrastructure about the around the casino, proposed casino site, uh, if Clark and Roosevelt and 18th Street and 16th Street could handle all of that. But the other ones, as you mentioned, are kind of the, uh, the typical, uh, we don't want the big development near here because of property values and crime. Yeah, um... I think there's an argument to be made that the 78 site actually is rather isolated. Uh, some of that property, frankly, has been has been uh, abandoned, and there's been nothing on it since World War One. I. I mean, it goes that that far back. It's just virgin ground. Um, uh, it's right. It's right on the river, uh, whereas Chinatown and Pilsner are a little bit away. Uh, but there's also objections, though, uh, from Alderman Dow, who has the uh, residential area in the South Loop uh, immediately to the east. Uh, she's objecting. But you're hearing the same thing up at uh, Chicago Avenue in Halstead, where the uh, residential neighborhoods don't want a casino up there on the on the site of the Tribune printing plant. They say, hey, it's traffic and congestion, and we can't do it. So the response there is that, hey, uh, that property is going to be developed, and, there's been, and uh, what had been approved would have created more traffic than this would. I don't know if that's true, but that's the contention. And then, and then over on the uh, the third one, which is the Hard Rock site uh, on, on One Central uh, by the lakefront, uh, you have all these people who now have uh, nice apartments right by Lakeshore Drive. Uh, they have good views, and they want a bunch of casino folks right there. Uh, not so sure. Not so sure. Well, yeah, you bought that condo in the South Loop with that great view of Soldier Field in 2006 or 2007. I'm guessing you don't want another large building uh, getting in the way. 
Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we'll find out from these hearings how much of this is real and how much of it is is, is normal kinds of objections, and then we'll find out something else. I think whether Mary Lightfoot, who really wants this casino because it's going to pay a lot of overdue bills uh, in the city's pension funds, is willing to do something in for at re-election time that politicians don't like to do, which is tell a neighborhood, "Sorry, guys, you're going to have to suck it up and take one for the city." Uh, be real interested to see how that turns out. Well, thanks for joining us. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business, talking about the opposition building to the three casino finalists in Chicago. Coming up next, Elon Musk set to join Twitter's board of directors. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Shares of Twitter jumped this morning on word that Elon Musk is now joining their board of directors. We welcome in Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Gary, thanks for joining us today. It is very interesting to talk about Twitter's place in the social media sphere, given its outsized influence in the world of politics and media in sports. Uh, Lots of very powerful people are on Twitter. But as far as its place in the social media sphere, it is a distant fourth behind Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, But it matters. And uh, it's widespread uh, and it's obvious that uh, Musk is in there and he can talk all he wants about being passive. He will be the last uh, uh, passive, the least passive. He will be jumping all over this, try to make changes. I think uh, changes on the political front, as well as the way uh, uh, Twitter um, it plays out with edit buttons. Who knows uh, which go? It's going to be quite the uh, sitting in your seat with popcorn over the next six months. Yeah, the debate is, especially amongst people who are the uh, heaviest users of Twitter, is going to be who can say what to whom and whether people feel like they're being uh, moderated for what they say and what they believe. But at the same time, as as someone who's now on, on Twitter's board of directors, um, Elon Musk's responsibility is to tap some of the uh, uh, the potential some of the potential of Twitter that may not have been realized just yet and what are some of the things that uh, he can do to make that happen uh, any number of things you know you can put sports in, on there you can you can put all, all kinds of content on there uh, you can put edit buttons but I think the big story is two words and that is free speech and if there's been any argument uh, about Twitter over the last couple of years, is there's a lot of people that don't believe it's real free speech as they have monitor after monitor shutting people down, stopping them from tweets. I mean, we have uh, they got rid of the president while they have the head of Iran on there. And that's not a political statement. It's just a statement of fact. So I think this is about moving the needle to what I'm not sure. But again, anybody thinks this is passive, no shot. And there's always that chance he tries to buy him outright as this man got a lot of cake uh, to spend. And then when it comes to uh, Twitter's stock, it obviously has popped in the last two days, uh, initially on the announcement that um, he was buying the stake in Twitter, and again on the fact that he's joining the board of directors. But where is Twitter's stock as far, you know, where does that rank uh, when compared to some of the other uh, social media company stocks? Well, Twitter and Facebook stock have been in a uh, brutal bear market over the last uh, six months to a year. Uh, This changes the playing field a little bit with Twitter, but I can promise you uh, last quarter's earnings were down 13 percent and sales growth has been uh, decelerating big time over the last few quarters. 
If that doesn't change, it doesn't matter what he says or what he does. It does not matter about the Musk effect. Uh, the stock will pay a penalty. Uh, stocks are paid up for growth. And uh, again, if, if growth is stunted, not going to happen. Same thing's going on with Facebook right now. Their uh, sales growth decelerated big time over the last four quarters to where earnings last quarter were down year over the year for the first time. Again, that has to change or else the stock's going to be uh, pretty much dead money going forward. Well, thanks for joining us, Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Still ahead, a major cruise line says it looks like there will be smooth sailing this season. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Ukraine's president accuses Russian troops of war crimes in Ukraine and told the UN Security Council those responsible should immediately be brought up on war crimes charges. The latest coming up in a CBS News special report. We'll update how the markets are doing today. On this Travel Tuesday, there's encouraging news about this year's season from one major cruise line, and Amazon reveals plans to send a large number of satellites into space. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 43 points. The Nasdaq down 241. The S&P 500 is down 27. 48 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. CBS News special report. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky told the United Nations Security Council that Russian troops invading his country have killed entire families, adults and children, and they tried to burn the bodies via interpreter. Anyone who has given criminal orders and carried out them by killing our people will be brought before the tribunal. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is flying to Brussels to meet with his NATO counterparts. In all of these instances, there's a very important effort to put the evidence together, to compile it, to document it, to support the different investigations that are going on. Russians have been told that if they hear of war and death in Ukraine, it's not true. CBS's Deborah Pata is on the ground in Ukraine. I personally saw evidence of war crimes, and these stories can't be staged. And the overwhelming grief that I've witnessed 
that just can't be manufactured. More sanctions against Russia expected tomorrow. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. Hey, it's 1232. As the noon business hour continues, markets are trading lower. Joining us latest now on what's moving Wall Street is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Before we talk about the movement in the Dow transports, let's talk about some of the movement on the NASDAQ. Down 245 points today. Is this uh, coming up? off the sugar high from Elon Musk buying his stake in Twitter yesterday? Yeah, I think exactly. Uh, Investors are kind of getting more of a reality check of the type of volatility that this market has. Uh, It's not helping that the 10-year bond uh, is up about 6%. The yield to kind of a near-term high, actually. And when you see rising interest rates like that, that tends to pinch those kind of growth stocks that frequent the NASDAQ. So, yeah, we're we're kind of uh, <laughs> off that sugar high, as you put it aptly. Well, and, and let's talk about the Dow Transports, because uh, there's been a nice little run uh, as far as the uh, major financial indices are concerned. But the Dow is at a nice little comeback uh, off of its lows from just a couple of weeks ago. But the uh, transports are kind of uh, a portent of uh, possible bad things to come. But if you look under the hood, um, it seems like there's a certain part of the Dow Transportation Index that is driving that decline. Yeah, the truckers have been especially horrible here uh, in the last week or so. It's interesting that the Dow Jones Transportation Average did have a pretty robust rally off of its February 23rd low, uh, and in fact didn't go to a lower low when the Dow Industrials did on March 8th. So you had this really nice rally, uh, but in the last five trading days, including today, the average has fallen about 9%. And, you know, that's particularly... Uh, troublesome because the Dow Jones transportation average, as I've mentioned here, ad nauseum for your listeners, tends to be a a very good barometer of future economic activity. So, you know, it's kind of coinciding with this this notion of an inverted yield curve and what that may portend for the economy as well. And, you know, history has shown as long as the Dow Jones transportation average kind of misbehaves, it's tough for the broad market to kind of gain, uh, you know, traction in a sustained way. You know, what we're watching and what investors should be watching is, is the Dow Jones transportation average going to hold above that previous important low on February 23rd, which was about 15,523. We're at 15, uh, I'm sorry, 14,523. We're at 15,1 right now. So it, it's come down pretty sharply here in the last five days, and it's the index that really should be worth uh, that people should be watching right now, quite now, frankly. some of the stocks that uh, in the transport index that have been hit the hardest, there's kind of a pattern here. Ryder, UPS, J.B. Hunt, the trucking company, Old Dominion, FedEx. Is, the, is this a result of the trucking company, uh, trucking industry or trucking companies uh, being exposed to uh, higher diesel fuel prices? Well, I think it's, it's an exposure to, to that. I think it's an exposure to higher wages, difficulty in finding workers. I think also, too, you talk about some very sensitive companies to both consumer demand as well as, as uh, industrial demand, but particularly consumer demand when you're looking at, you know, the, the likes of, of a FedEx and a UPS. Uh, so, you know, the truckers really kind of span a lot of different indices in a lot of different ways and in, in, in sectors, and that's one of the reasons why the transports tend to be a really good barometer for future economic activity. So, you know, if you have that, you know, the biggest risk to this market, quite frankly, is 
an economic slowdown uh, or a recession. And uh, you don't want the transports to really be broadcasting that. I can't say that they have just yet, but if you see that low taken out, that February 23rd low, that would not be a good development for the market or the economy. Well, the roads are having a rough go of it. The rails, uh, not so bad. CSX uh, up a little bit. Uh, Norfolk Southern down just a tick. Union Pacific down uh, uh, $3.62. So uh, one part of the supply chain is really feeling it, but the thing that uh, carries all those containers overland, uh, your big railroads, they're doing okay. It is. And the other thing to think about, too, when you look at the Dow Jones transportation average, it is a price-weighted index, which means the highest price, highest per share price stocks in the index will carry the greatest weight. And when you look at what some of those stocks are, they, they tend to be kind of on the trucking side. I mean, you've got UPS, which is almost a $200 stock. Uh, you know, you've got uh, FedEx, which is a $212 stock. So some of the higher price stocks that will have the greatest weight in the index are in that trucking sector. So that's a very important sector relative to the whole index. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Up next in Travel Tuesday, from the roads to the rails to the open ocean, one cruise line says there's a bright outlook for this season. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Carnival Cruise Lines reporting encouraging news about its bookings for this year. Joining us with the latest is Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Carnival says the period between March 28th and April 3rd was the busiest booking week in the company's history, showing a double digit increase from the previous record seven-day booking total. So once again, it sounds like uh, the American public is uh, trying to uh, find a cure for its wanderlust after two years. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Rob. I think two other things conspired that week that helped out. One was, if memory serves right, I think maybe there was even some snow on the ground in the Midwest in the Chicagoland area. In late March, it was snowing in late March. That certainly helps improve the picture and demand for cruises. But I think more importantly, really, what happened uh, about a week ago tomorrow, last Wednesday, the Centers for Disease Control dropped its travel notification, its travel warning for cruise passengers. And I think for a number of cruise passengers that were on the bubble, folks who were certainly new to cruise, which is a key part of the cruising population for growth, the CDC dropping its travel warning kind of was the last bit of green light necessary for those folks to make those reservations for the months ahead. Is that all it takes for the uh, cruise, uh, uh, the potential cruise passenger to return to the water? Because there are some cruisers who are very uh, passionate about that mode of travel. Uh, they yeah. have their collection of magnets for their stateroom doors. They have preferred ships. They have preferred destinations. They probably have their preferred crew members. They all want to see Isaac yep. the bartender. Um, <laughs> so, so there, there were there was a segment of that population that was just waiting for the green light for the CDC. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, this the Centers for Disease Control since early March of 2020 has been very concerned, publicly concerned and privately behind the scenes, working very tightly with the cruise industry. Remember, the cruise industry was really the only industry in the United States that essentially was prohibited from doing business 
for more than a year because of the coronavirus pandemic. And where I am in South Florida, that has a significant impact in the local economy. We have the two cruising capitals uh, in terms of the ports, Port Miami and Port Everglades and Fort Lauderdale. And so this was greeted locally and regionally, the dropping of the CDC uh, travel warning with a great cheer in the local economy for folks to be able to come back and enjoy. And it means more people moving through these airports. And it is that last bit of uh, incentive, I think, for people who had been concerned about the virus and still rightfully so are concerned about the virus, that the Centers for Disease Control dropping that warning gives them the go ahead, coupled with stiff price competition. Don't kid yourself here. The cruise industry is pulling out all the stops to get people back on those ships. And how can they make up, though, for almost a year and a half of lost business? Or is that just simply you walk away from it, and in the words of Don Draper, there is only one direction, and that's forward? Uh, It is only one direction, and that is forward. Uh, The ship has to move forward. Those lost uh, cabin reservations in 2020, 2021, those days are gone. Those that here to go, Rob. Thankfully, you're sitting down. Here comes the pun. That ship has sailed. It is time to move on, and the industry knows that. It has borrowed a lot of money. Carnival, for instance, its debt load compared to two years ago has quadrupled. So that has how they have retained cash. They have uh, uh, been able to stay in operation, and now they hope to make it up in the long run by slowly increasing prices. They're increasing capacity as well. A lot of these cruise ships that will be hitting the high seas over the next few years, they've been in the pipeline. They've been uh, being built in Italy and elsewhere over the past number of years. That's going to increase premium. They're going to increase onboard spend for these uh, for these cruisers in order to help bring back their profit. Carnival mentioned, by the way, uh, just a few weeks ago that it expects to be uh, EBITDA positive cash flow positive by this summer. Now, that is putting aside $35 billion of debt payments that it has over the next many, many years, but nonetheless, a bright sign. Well, thanks for joining us. Tom Hudson, the Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, Amazon announces it's making a bold move into space. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Amazon plans to venture into space as they announce a deal with three rocket companies to launch 3,000 satellites to beam internet connectivity around the globe. Helping us look at the details is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. And once again, this sounds like a case of uh, Amazon challenging Elon Musk in space. First, it was uh, SpaceX versus Blue Origin. And now it sounds like they're coming up with an answer to the uh, to the Musk's uh, Starlink internet satellites. Well, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks again for having me on. Yeah, this, I mean, on the surface, looks like a big ego battle between Musk and Bezos. This Project Kuiper, which is the Amazon version of Starlink, which which is uh, Musk uh, it, in SpaceX, it's supposed to launch 3,200 satellites. That's a gigantic project. It's going to cost tens of billions of dollars. But it will eventually, if it's successful, provide high-speed Internet anywhere in the world. The question is, is this the best way to provide Internet? Because you've got fiber optics that actually right now is better and faster. So is this a big ego battle, as you mentioned, between Bezos and Musk? Or is this actually a business venture that's going to succeed? I mean, time will tell. We're not sure. 
It is the ability to uh, add internet uh, uh, service to areas in which uh, you could not uh, wire uh, either practically or just because it's not cost effective. Uh, Musk already uh, donated some uh, or, or, or provided some Starlink internet service over Ukraine uh, during the invasion. I don't know or we don't know how effective that was, but you can see the seeds of a practical application somewhere inside this uh, battle of the mega billionaires. Certainly, yeah, and, and you mentioned it in, in the uh, areas where it's hard to, to run fiber optics, um, this would have some value, and that's certainly in you know very rural areas. The question is, can they make money doing this? Um, you know, Musk is ahead right now. He's already launched a few thousand uh, satellites, uh, so he's ahead of Bezos. But we'll, time will tell, uh, first of all, who will win this battle. They may both win or they may both lose because it's going to be extremely expensive. But if there's, if there's two people who can afford tens of billions of dollars down the money pit, it's Bezos and Musk. So we'll see what happens. Well, the other side of that coin, uh, SpaceX is one of the bidders for the lunar lander uh, when Project Artemis uh, returns to the moon in 2025. Um, I would not be surprised if you see some sort of joint venture between uh, Starlink or Blue Origin and NASA to provide internet connectivity to astronauts on the moon. Yes, any of this is possible. These two gentlemen obviously have incredible not just egos but incredible ability to to do things that that people that man has not done before so i would not bet against either of them and i think they both could end up winning as i said that they're going to compete head to head and I, they both could win it's just in this case with project kuiper the question is will how long will it take for them to get this up and running and then how much money they will have to spend before they start receiving revenue off of this so again these two gentlemen can 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 spend their money the way they want to and and this may end up being a great return on investment but at the beginning it's going to be a huge out, outlay of money well, thanks for joining us. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.